Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you today? I don't know how I'm supposed to be. <laughs> well, unless you've been under a huge entire rock, there's, uh, there's been, it's been quite the week thus far. And um, I don't know exactly when this will be released, but uh, it's, it's the week where the, the market and everything has just been uh, extremely chaotic. Lots of ups and downs and side to sides. And uh, it's it, to it, say that could be any week from now on, though. But <laughs> yeah, the one where oil went down real fast over the weekend, <laughs> yeah. the first time for a while. Yeah, Russia and uh, was it Saudi or, or, yeah. or at it? And uh, so anyway, there, there's a lot of lot of lot of intense conversations being had around the world and then obviously with the whole coronavirus. So uh, everyone just keep your head up and uh, work hard, stay safe, wash your hands and uh, you know, we'll see where the, where the chips lie. But uh, regardless, Matt, we're going to keep recording and we're going to keep pumping out uh, drilling fluids information for, uh, for the people who care. Yes. <laughs> let's do that. Perfect. Well, uh, you know, a topic that I thought would be interesting, Matt, um, something that, that we deal with quite regularly, uh, more in the background side of things, but certainly adds a level of service and, and, and value uh, to help troubleshoot uh, things in the field. But, uh, you know, it's also used in research and development. Uh, and it's the, uh, the common PSD, also known as particle size di- distribution. Some folks refer to it as PSA, particle size analysis, which I believe are the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, Matt, I thought we could talk a little bit about that. We could talk a little bit, uh, you know, from the lab standpoint, how that applies to us in the drilling fluids world. What do you think? Love it. Cool. Uh, well, let's go ahead and describe what is a PSD from your standpoint. So, PSD or particle size distribution is, as kind of it sounds, the distribution of the size of particles in a fluid or in a sample. Um, So this could be a drilling fluid, it could be a product that we're checking, Um, but ultimately what we do is is we'll run it through some type of equipment, which we'll talk about, and try and get a distribution curve. So we want an idea of how many particles are a certain size, and normally on that distribution curve, we'll use some references. Probably the most common are D10, D50, and D90. Okay. so... D10 means 10% of the particles are a certain size or less. D50 is 50% of the particles are a certain size or less. And D90R is 90% of the particles are a certain size or less. Mm. Um, And the reason we use all three, if you just refer to D50, for example, 50% of the particles, you may have like a bunch of really small ones or a bunch of really big ones. So 50% kind of meets in the middle. Yeah. And so you may misrepresent where the big guys are. Um, So sometimes we'll look at the whole curve, but typically that's, the lingo and we'll use the unit set of microns right so a micrometer being what is it one twenty five thousand four hundredth of an inch so it's quite tiny huh. um but uh i think kind of that, that's that's pretty much the standard unit set it's what most of the equipment's going to give you so okay. you're always sort of doing a conversion to that and is that uh dealing with microns is that like an api thing or is that like a sort of like a you know, a, a global thing when it's talking about drilling fluids? Because obviously, you know, here in the U.S., it's 
you know, we're, we're set with, you know, feet and inches and stuff like that. Is Micron kind of like a, you know, a world unit that everyone goes off of for this stuff? I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a random question. It's a metric but, unit, right? And yeah. so I, I think, I think the predominant driver is that this stuff is coming from other industries. Okay. Um, so, I mean, arguably we, we could use a different unit set, but it probably wouldn't make sense to everybody that's already using it. Right. So you'll never um, come across a PSD in the drilling fluid world that wouldn't be a micron. Because a lot of times people reference the microns to then make their decisions based off X microns. So you have you I ever mean, seen them? Never say never, but I've never sure. seen it. I think some of the annoying things, uh, you know, especially when you're using like a laser particle analyzer, it might give you something called specific surface area where it's actually trying to give you a guess of what the surface area of those materials is. Uh, sometimes it will give it to you in metric units. Sometimes it will give you in inches. Mm. Um, it's super confusing. And I, you know, normally just kind of given up and, and <laughs> trying to, to nail that down, but it's, it's another element. I think it's mainly most of this stuff was stolen from the pharmaceuticals industry or, mm. or some other areas and they've just always used it. And so we just took it on as our own. I like it. We'll roll with microns. So how do we actually use a PSD? So it really depends on, uh, so I, I think, you know, consider the equipment. So one of the main, the easiest, more forgiving ways we can do this is actually a laser particle analyzer. And the reason it's pretty forgiving is I basically mix up a sample and pump it through the machine and it gives me a number. Uh, granted, we hope that it's properly calibrated and there's some other things, but it, in essence, uh, what happens is you circulate this fluid through. It uses, you know, laser, high tech. Mm, um, laser beams. Yeah. And the, and the diffra diffraction side of things is it's going to refle reflect light or block light in different directions. So you have all these detectors that pick up where it was and wasn't picked up. It, it calculates what it sensed, and it's going to do that, you know, millions of times and, and give you this, this distribution curve. Okay. The trick is it needs to be granular shape the more spherical it is you know if it's oblong the light might fract in a certain direction and it'll appear larger ah. and uh you know so that's that's one of the easiest ways if something's already in a liquid suspension it's perfect if it is something that is for example let's say we want to measure calcium carbonate we can put it in a liquid suspension and pump it through so we can actually mix it in a uh, a carrier and circulate it through and get those numbers Okay. Now the other thing that we'll do sometimes is is sieves. So we'll take different size screens, and basically uh, in our lab we have a jet sieve, which is air. We put the product, uh, you know, we put the product on on the smallest sieve that we're going to measure. We blow air through it and kind of have a vacuum going underneath, so it sucks everything through to a size below. We weigh the difference, and we do that smaller and smaller screens, um, and and just basically by weight what we retain gives us a rough distribution curve hmm. laser way easier most most common granted it's, it's not cheap right. so uh we have all of our field support labs have a laser particle analyzer because we feel like it's pretty important right um the distinction i've seen is if you have a d50 greater than about 100 microns um a laser won't be as accurate a sieve is probably the way to go um okay. all that being said it hasn't really been make or break for us um, so we was, get, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I say we get by fine on a laser and we're able to make decisions. But if, if you're really trying to get in the nitty gritty, like with coarse materials that you want to certify a certain size, mm. sieve is probably safer. 
Gotcha. Um, and then uh, there's other stuff out there, like there's uh, photo analyzers, which I think show a lot of promise, but haven't really, you know, had a significant enough impact. But they're they're used in manufacturing all the time. Just the oil field's dirty. It's a little harder to, Makes you know, sense. practically employ them. But they're out there. Gotcha. So you said uh, with with the lasers, it's far more effective if the the D50 is less than 100 microns. So I would yeah. imagine that would be for when you're looking at just drilling fluids, you would use then that one. But yeah. if you're looking at like say LCMs or something, you would then go to the sieve approach. Exactly. And okay. I mean, you know, there's some products on quality control where you want them to be big. There's other products on quality control you want them to be small. Right. I um, got you. You know, smaller po- products tend to solubilize better at the hopper or that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so mo- for the most part, it's large graphite, calcium carbonate, nut plug, those kinds of things. Um, so if I was trying to identify the particle size distribution of the sugar I recently put in my coffee, would I use lasers or the sieve? I- I'm going to go laser. Yes. Hopefully. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, it, like I mean, it. if it took a long time to get in there, <laughs> then maybe, maybe a sieve would be appropriate. It but- was actually stevia because I'm a health nut. So it was quite a bit finer than sugar. So I would still go with lasers. Yes. And, and there's a, there's actually a chance that that's what they use in their facility. Okay. Um, Good point. You know, a lot of food products, um, a lot of other manufacturing use, use this as a quality control. Excellent. So, no, <laughs> That's a good side note. Uh, so anyway, going back to the drilling fluid world. Um, so how do we how, how do we actually measure it, and, and what do the deliverables look like? So you'll typically get a full distribution curve. It's a pretty graph. What does uh, that nice look like? Report. Can you can you somehow describe it? I mean, without being on video, it's hard to see. But yeah, but but think about you'll have on your y axis you'll have a cumulative volumetric percent usually and i'm going with a laser here so mm-hmm. volume volumetric percent of of particles and then the the x-axis is basically going to have a size in microns it could be a logarithmic scale sometimes mm. um it just kind of depends so what you'll see is you'll see that curve increasing 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 until it gets to 100 percent um that's one way where you know you go across and you slide it where 50 percent is you say oh my d50 is right there Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one output. Sometimes it will have, it'll have it broken down by percentages. So it'll actually give you like a, uh, you know, a, a little peak. Right. Um, and so you can see, okay, inside and outside of that peak, there's nothing. And then there's a little bit, a lot in the middle, or you might actually see kind of like two little peaks and maybe, maybe two products were blended together. Mm. And so, or let's say it's in the mud, but we'd had a big weight up. So the, the barite's been ground down, so it's been separated the shakers. I go to weight up, and then I catch a sample right after weight up, and I've introduced a bunch of large particles again. Sure. And you might actually see that. And, um, I mean, to totally nerd out, I've actually, with certain products, I used to be able to tell, like, calcium carbonate from Columbia based upon the way it fractured through the grinder and the distribution curve you would get. Interesting. Versus, like, I, I could sometimes just knowing, knowing certain things and where they commonly produced products, certain graphites and, and that sort of thing. Um, hmm. I would actually be able to tell what vendor it was just by looking at the distribution curve. No kidding. Huh. Um, I may have lost my edge these days, but uh, <laughs> you know, back in the day I was something kids. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's actually pretty comical, but I mean, nonetheless, you look at enough of them and you can almost, some folks even on, you know, looking at drilling fluids, they can look at them right away and, and, and tell you a pretty decent story off, just off of a snapshot of a PSD, which we can get into further because 
Yeah, you know, that's we need to do that. Yeah, we, looking at just one uh, doesn't tell enough, but nonetheless. Um, so the output. So you said there's you got your D fifty and you got your D ten, your D ninety. What 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 are you? What are we looking? Or what are we more focused in on? Looking to do we look at the whole thing, or is there a certain? I guess if let's just say for argument's sake, you have a mud and it's been out in the field for a long time, you bring it in, you do the PSD. What are you focusing in on the most? So, well, I'm going to qualify that. So there's two things I'm looking at. One isn't on my distribution curve. But for the most part, we'll, if we're just talking and you say, what's the PSD, I will immediately give you the D50. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if it was just one response. Yeah. So that's one element. But the other part I want to give you is the retort numbers. And that is because the particle analyzer is going to tell you the distribution of the particles present. It won't tell you how many or what they are. So you could have, you, you could have 2% low gravity solids and have a D50 of 5 microns, which a lot of people say, wow, that mud's in pretty bad shape. Um, but that actually could be fine because it's got really low gravity solids. In fact, a slurry that just has lime and clay in it We'll show you a really low PSD, but we, you know, that's as clean as you get. Right. Right. So we always want to retort. So we have our solids analysis to say, okay, you have a lot of low gravity solids and they're pretty fine. Good point. Um, so that's, that's a big driver. And, and a lot of times when we get mud samples, part of it is kind of how tired is this mud? You yeah. know, does it need some dilution? And we should see other things, right? I'm having trouble controlling my fluid loss. Um, I may have some gel progression, um, some of these other things where we say, look, we need to dilute and there's a cost associated with that. So a customer may say, you know, can you, can you just show me that that's what's going on here? Right. Um, so that is, that is just, if we're looking at a mud Mm -hmm. now, if we want to understand how our solids control equipment is working, that's another thing that we do a fair amount of. Right. Um, and those types of things, it's all about size classification. I mean, we, we talked with the Derek guys a, a while ago about this, but I catch, I catch something at the flow line, and then I catch something under the shakers, and I have a certain size screen. The particle size distribution may not get smaller if the screen sizes, you know, apertures are large enough to pass everything through. Mm-hmm. But we see this all the time with centrifuges, where we catch, we catch mud in, the, uh, in one of the pits, and then we catch it at the the uh, centrifuge effluent and we started off with a d50 of 15 microns and we come out with a d50 of 15 microns there was no size classification in that centrifuge whatever you're paying it for um it's not doing its job it may be it needs an adjustment it may be that it's just doesn't work but that merits investigation mm-hmm. because we know that a good centrifuge should be able to cut you know six microns five microns is, is pretty good for a good a good centrifuge um, but if I'm not seeing that, there may be a problem. And so a lot of our, our investigations is catching samples before and after solids control equipment. Okay. Am I seeing a reduction in particle size distribution as I would expect, which is why we also have to record what shaker screen sizes are out there. Cause right. we want to make sure that nothing's bypassing the shakers, but it could be perfectly normal that everything's passing through and the mud before and after looks the same. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. So what if you caught a sample before the centrifuge, and let's just for, you know, hypothetically, it was a D50 of, say, 20 micro. Mm-hmm. 
you would expect the D50 to then be reduced on the effluent coming out. So let's yeah. just say ideally, let's say it cuts six, so you're at 14 microns. So no, you would, you would see six microns. Oh. So your D50 would drop that much. But that's what I'm saying. So if it yeah. was a D50 at 20, it would drop by six to be 14? It, no, it dropped by 14 to a six. So your D50, your final, oh, your final gotcha. D50 would be a six micron. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that clears it out for me. Thank you. So, okay. Um, wow. So it can cut it all the way down to six. It, it should. It, it should be able to if it's, you know, and, and granted, there's different settings. How fast are you processing? Once This is where one of our solids control guys... You know, we, we have experts who will send out there mm-hmm. and say, hey, can you just take a look at what's going on? And they'll offer some direction. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, that's obviously important. Right. And I, and I think the, the big takeaway from just this recent, you know, conversation we just had is like, it's not, it's not just looking at one piece of the pie. It's looking at the whole thing or, you know, not just one tree of the forest. Like, you, ideally... And and then you know we've done this and, and teamed up with with folks on the solids control side, depending on who's servicing it. But you know, oftentimes you know at the beginning of the pad, you'll you'll take your mud, you'll do some PSDs, you'll do it at the end. Maybe you'll do some spot checks with the you know a centrifuge. So I mean, more data is better. Um, so it's it's always challenging when you know all of a sudden it pops up and it's like, oh, we need to check the mud, and you know I think we're having you know solids issues. We need to do a PSD, and then all of a sudden you do. You take one, and and everyone's drawing and making these knee jerk reactions off of just one PSD. Um, you know, I guess that's better than nothing. But but certainly understanding, you know, the full story. You know, doing you know checking the retort. You know what the solids numbers look like. You know, checking solids control. Um, you know, mud weight plays a big part in that. Uh, Matt, why don't you talk a little bit about how mud weight would affect? You know, if we, let's say you're drilling with a 10 pound mud versus a 12, 5, 13, even 14 pound. How, how would that change the scope of, of analyzing something like that? Well, in, in all likelihood, your, your Bayrite's fairly resilient. Um, and Bayrite doesn't have a distribution curve. I think that's, that's something important to think about is API has sieve sizes that it needs to pass through and be retained. But it doesn't have a curve. So when someone says, give me a typical D50 of Bayrite, you know, we say, oh, 20, 22 microns. That's not an API spec. That's just kind of where it lands when you grind it. Mm. Um, so, but Bayrite's fairly resilient. So it doesn't get grind, ground down immediately. We know it will. Grilled solids, we know, do get broken down pretty quick. And uh, because of that, in a mud that doesn't have a ton of Bayrite, and it's a lo- bayrite's a large particle. Um, you should you, you're likely to have a smaller PSD than if I if I ran a retort. My low grabs were seven percent, or let's let's say, let's go more extreme. Let's say twelve or fifteen percent on a thirteen pound mud. I have a lot more bayrite in there by volume, right? And because of that, it your your particle size distribution curve may not look as bad just because there's all that bayrite sort of crowding out the mm. the. the other low gravity cells. It doesn't mean it's not going to affect my mud properties or create other problems. It's just, it's going to mask some of that particle size distribution effect, which is why the retort is similarly helpful. Interesting. Um, okay. the, uh, the other part of it is um, with a lighter mud, mud or an unweighted mud, you're going to see all this other stuff because you're not introducing large particles that would affect the distribution itself. Gotcha. Okay. Something else to, is that you folks out there really need to consider um so matt uh and there's a few other topics but just 
to wrap that part of it up, ideally, if someone wants to look at, you know, how dirty or, you know, how tired the mud is, what would be the bare minimum to get to draw good conclusions versus just looking at, you know, one tiny speck, you know, or one sample of the mud randomly pulled out, like, like what, what would be, what would that look like? Well, I mean, I, I want a representative mud sample, and, and sampling is huge, right? And, and that includes LCM, that includes Bayrite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we try and specify some of these things on our products, but um, or or what would be typical. Now, we, you know, it's difficult because someone, let's say, I had a coarse sack of calcium carbonate, um, and someone just grabbed a sample off the top of the bag and sent it in, and it came up with a higher number than we expected. Right. Well, it could be some of the finer particles settled between those and got to the bottom of the bag, and I didn't pull those out. Sure. So there's actually a, a ANSIER, American National Standards Institute method for sampling, um, to try and get a representative sample mm. of that product. Uh, similarly, think about Bayrite. We pneumatically convey Bayrite. Uh, let's say that we're at the bottom of the silo, and then we top up. Maybe that's finer material than what the whole load was. Right. Right. So we got to be careful what conclusions we make. And, and the thing that makes it worse is it's really easy for me to run that laser analyzer and just give you that report and you just send it out. And without the retort, without, without these other elements of context, yes. we get into trouble. And so if somebody just sends me a bag of something and says, give me a PSD on this, um, I'm a little reluctant. Uh, similarly, um, laser is great for granular materials, but uh, think about uh, a fiber or something that's very oblong, that laser detector is going to make it think it's bigger than it really is. Sure. Um, Civ's going to do the same thing to you because it'll just go to the narrowest side and fall through. So when we think about all those things, we got to think big picture. But what it is, is it's a retort. My mud properties aren't looking good. I mean, we're really trying to put together a case that I have a fine right. accumulation and we know that dilution is the solution, right? But that's a big economic decision, and to to demonstrate to a customer that I have all the data there. Right. I run my PSD. I have my mud check. I have those solids analysis, and then I come forward and say, "Look, based upon all the information we have here, this mud requires dilution to get back to the specs that we want." Right. Um, if we and if we just look at PSD, for example, I mean, we've we've had customers get very upset with us when they said, "Run a P, just said, I want a PSD on this." And it was a slurry, for example. It was an unweighted mud, and we sent it to them, and you know it's got a D50 of four microns or something, and and all these alarm bells go off, and they're extremely agitated. And we explain, look, there's there's nothing in there, you know, organo clay and lime is <laughs> is fine stuff. Right. Um, throw some bayrite in there, and I'll give you a different number. Right. So uh, we have to know what we're looking at, and um. And, and making sure that we have that good representative sample, which is why if you're out there and asked to catch a sample, make sure it's representative. Um, you know, and, and by that, I mean, if we're doing a solids control analysis, it needs to be really well labeled. Yeah, you know, no kidding. Um, where is this? Is this centrifuge fluent or is this something you caught underneath the sand traps or is this something you pulled from the flow line or the suction pit? Yeah, um, all would all, all could very easily have varying results exactly and i mean that's the thing is sometimes it'll be mislabeled or won't be labeled properly and i'll have a suction pit that's got six microns going in i've got a d50 of 12 coming out of the centrifuge and i'm I'm kind of like so 
and I have a D50 of 10 going into the centrifuge. So it's like, okay, so my particles got bigger going through the centrifuge. And then by the time I get to the suction, they're really small. Yeah. So something's not right here. Yeah. You know? No. So we got we to gotta think our way through these problems and understand this is a tool to make a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, uh, I mean, th- those are the biggest things where I, I feel like we get tripped up on. Um, but at the end of the day, if mud properties are starting to come apart, your low graves are building up, um, and we think we have a fines problem, particle size analysis is a great way to kind of put a nail in the coffin and say, it's this mud's tired. Yep. You know? Exactly. Well, Matt, I don't really have any other questions I can think of at the moment. Um, but again, certainly if folks out there have any questions or, you know, any experience, uh, or any information they'd love to share. I mean, please, we're always open. Uh, Matt, any closing last words before we sign out here? Label your samples yeah. and catch representative ones. Right. Because um, what happens is the lab will report what they get, and then it can set off all kinds of alarm bells and panic, but it could be a labeling issue. It could be that all they were asked to do is run particle size analysis, and if you just ask for that and don't ask for a retort, yeah, they're, they're going to run what you give them. Right. Um, so submit a mud check with it. Do do whatever needs to be done just to make sure we got the complete picture. Because if it's easy to grab incomplete information and it's easy to send incomplete information, right? And it's no fun to get people upset. We don't. Upset. You're exactly right. Actually, one thing that did pop into my mind before we close out. Um, oftentimes, if you look at product data sheets for different LCMs, they'll actually have D50, D90, and D10s on there. Uh, so if any mud engineers out there working for a company, uh, that are using LCM, it's always good to kind of know, uh, what your, uh, distribution looks like. Cause oftentimes engineers or people in the office are interested depending on your rate of losses and, and yeah. so that can be a whole nother topic. Maybe if we talk LCMs, but, uh, certainly always kind of have an idea if you're pumping LCM, what the particle size distribution looks like, and you don't have to get super geeked out over it, but have an idea of the size. Cause even then looking, you know, talking to MWD hands and things like that are always, they always like to know what the sizes are. So, uh, but, but that all comes from particle size distribution. And oftentimes that information's on the product data sheet. Yep. So that's about it for me, Matt. Anything else? That's it. Awesome. Well, uh, everyone out there, we certainly appreciate all the support and uh, continue to uh, like review and share. If you have any questions, hit us up at the Flowline Podcast at aesfluids.com. If not, we are always on LinkedIn. So hit us up and everyone out there, be safe and keep calm and drill on. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of the Flowline. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.